0: Today, I'm going to start the show off on an optimistic tone. I know that's not much like me, but I have reason, I believe, for optimism today. I feel a sea change coming. I, I think we're starting to wake up to some things that that I talk about on the show often and some things that we really needed to realize before our society breaks down into perpetual polarization. Something has united us together and it's kind of the strangest thing. Israel has been something that is waking people up. We're starting to see that the media is actually really, really bad as they take Hamas talking points and peddle that as information in the United States. Um, They just did this recently with a hospital bombing that we were told was from Israel and then we realized it was actually a terror group within Palestine that committed the act of bombing this hospital and that the hospital wasn't actually bombed. It was just a parking lot. Now we are being told that it wasn't a thousand people that were killed, but it's more like 500. And we don't really actually know how many were killed, if any were killed whatsoever. But it doesn't stop our intrepid media from being just at the absolute worst. We're seeing that actually open borders is a really, really bad idea. And the FBI just warned in a memo the other day that Hezbollah and Hamas agents are crossing through our southern border. Now people are starting to wake up to the reality that maybe personal gun ownership has a place so that we don't see in our nation what happened in Israel. And then we're even seeing students take to their city streets and to their college campuses to declare freedom for Palestine while oddly saying nothing about what Hamas did in Israel. It's almost as if these left wing indoctrination factories are not good for young people. We're all waking up to this and maybe even perhaps we're starting to wake up to the realization that Biden has overseen basically the worst administration in my lifetime. I'm 41 now and I can't think of a single president who has done as much harm as this man has. And I think it's arguable whether or not he's the worst president in the history of presidents. but. He's oddly uniting us as well. He came into office saying that he was going to restore the soul of this nation and unite us once again. Well, he has united us, but not in the way that he thought he would. We're seeing that he is creating crisis economically uh, on foreign policy fronts. There's an opioid crisis. There's a human trafficking crisis. There's a border crisis. There's wars in multiple areas. And of course, Biden isn't to blame for all of this, but his weakness and his incompetence is largely to blame for a lot of it. And so he's bringing us together on that. We're realizing that perhaps we didn't like the messenger of Donald Trump, but a lot of the messages that he was giving us were actually beneficial to us as a nation. Before long, we may even find ourselves uniting over the fact that perhaps it's not a great idea to murder babies in the womb. Who knows? I mean, the sky is the limit before we start realizing what's really right in front of us. And let me be really clear, I'm not talking about a sea change in terms of more people voting Republican, although I will say, and I've said on the show many times before, that the vast majority of issues, especially as it pertains to morality, tend to line up with the Republican talking points way more than than leftist talking points, if it ever lines up on the left. But I'm really not talking about just simply political sea change. I'm talking about the fact that we're seeing as Americans that perhaps we need to get rid of the hive mindset, the group think, and we need to get back to thinking for ourselves. And more importantly, maybe we're realizing some lessons about human nature. As we get away from the hive mindset of thinking that technology and socialism has solved all of our issues, we're realizing that human nature actually looks more like what the Bible depicts it as. It's broken and it desperately needs healing. It needs a savior. Perhaps all of that and our rethinking about human nature is causing us to rethink what we've been hearing about judgment and intolerance. And, and Maybe all of those were just simple tactics to try to keep you from thinking for yourself. Because undeniably, there are some things that you should be intolerant about. And there are some things, like everything, that you should use judgment with. Of course, when we say judgmental, what most people mean is being condemning. And of course, we're not supposed to be condemning, but we are supposed to be judgmental. It's wrong to kill a baby. Homosexuality is wrong if you're going to take a biblical standpoint on these things, and it's not judgmental to talk about it. It's not judgmental to say adultery is probably bad for your family. All of those things take just a simple process of thinking that we should all be engaged in. But very often we've heard that it's intolerant to talk about these things or judgmental to talk about these things. And so Christians have largely remained quiet. But more and more we're starting to realize as a nation, based upon what we've been seeing, as I've already laid out, that maybe we should not be listening to some of the the voices that are coming out right now. And perhaps we should be thinking more rationally and logically. And as a Christian, I'm not afraid of that endeavor because I think the more we do that, we will get closer and closer to what the Bible has been saying all along. But that's the final point here, is that if we're going to allow these lessons that are coming to us right now to truly work, we're going to have to make sure we don't memory hold these lessons. Because we say often, never forget, don't forget what happened on 9-11, don't forget what happened to Israel. But we will unless we are willing to center our belief in a worldview that is supported by something big enough, maybe even God-sized enough, to really help us see through the lies that we're hearing all around us. The only cure for deceptive lies is a strong worldview. And I can't help but think that the more we question whether or not what we're hearing is the truth, we'll find ourselves strangely creeping back to some old ideas, some scriptural ideas, some Christian ideas that keep our nation together and keep us operating more in sanity. We'll talk about that in more today on IndieThinker. the show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, you're probably thinking about making an investment here as we get closer to Halloween. You're probably going to spend 20, maybe even $50 on candy that you will be distributing out to complete strangers or maybe even the ungrateful kids that live next door to you. And you have to contemplate whether or not that's a good investment or not i'll leave that between you and and god to decide but ultimately i would just ask this as you think about your end of year giving i want to encourage you to think about giving to indie thinker if the show has been a blessing to you if you've learned something maybe even if something i've talked about on the show has challenged you and you've gone back to research something and it's helped you become a little bit more of a critical thinker, then I want to highly encourage you to give back to the show so that we can keep on creating great content for you. Now, you can do that by going to the description of this podcast or by going to the link that's on the screen right now. Now, again, if you're listening to this podcast, all you have to do is go to the, to the description, to the show notes, and there you'll see a link where you can give to IndieThinker. But as you consider your end of year giving, just know that indy thinker is a nonprofit, in everything that you give all donations are tax deductible so it can be used to help you in the future and it will certainly be used to help this show continue to do great things this past august ezra fry a young man arrayed in pink hair and a dress entered east ridge elementary in the county in which i live hamilton county as a substitute teacher for the day the sad young man demanded that the small confused children call him miss fry Our community held a typical three minute, you know, kind of outrage session, but then quickly forgot. But for a good solid three minutes, Christians and conservatives joined forces to come to the realization that things are not what they used to be and maybe we should do something about it. So once that three minutes was over, people mostly returned to their feigned exasperation with the culture wars and other Christians like myself who engage in the culture wars. Under their breath, they made snide comments about the Christians who continue to take a stand and somehow tried to make themselves look like the moral betters of those other people engaged in the culture war while they sat back and did nothing. All that because they desperately needed that Joanna Gaines pillow from Target and needed to waste hours of their lives watching Disney destroy yet another franchise by showcasing how dumb feminist intersectionality is.
1: Extremely dated when it comes to the ideas of women being in
0: roles of power. Well, while those anemic Christians were judging the people actually making a difference, Fry and his gay lover, David Acevedo, went on teaching in Hamilton County Schools. That's right, they continued to teach as subs and long-term teachers until just last week when both men were arrested for gay prostitution and possession of drugs, and possession of illegal firearms. According to a local news report, it says two educators with Hamilton County Schools are facing misdemeanor drug and prostitution charges following an undercover operation. According to an incident report from the Chattanooga Police Department, 25-year-old David Acevedo and 22-year-old Ezra Fry were both cited in a sting operation by CPD in August. The report says an undercover officer met up with Fry at her home, and again, you have to understand they actually should have said him, but they're saying her, on North Orchard Knob Avenue, where she, she, again, he, was given money in exchange for sexual activity. The report says officers entered the home where they found drug paraphernalia, a small amount of marijuana, and a gun. Both Acevedo and Fry were given misdemeanor citations for unlawful drug paraphernalia, prostitution, promoting prostitution, unlawful possession of a firearm, and simple possession. A Hamilton County school spokesperson confirmed that David Acevedo is a special education teacher at Kelvin Donaldson Elementary and has been suspended until police finish investigation. He should be fired permanently, but we'll see. Fry is a substitute for Woodmore Elementary, but has not subbed since he was cited. So it might be good now to find the humility to realize that we can learn something uh, from this story about two young men becoming gay prostitutes. Something like this. Might we be able to indeed judge a book by its cover? A man with pink hair, piercings in his nose, makeup on his face, and a dress has no business teaching kids? And by the way, if you venture to pull the marginalized identity card and suggest that I'm saying this because the two men are gay and I'm a Christian, well, you'd only be partially right. I would say an OnlyFans cyber prostitute or a common street whore would fall under the category of people I don't want educating my children as well. The fact that these two gender-confused men were gay is just part of the problem. The truth is, if you, in the privacy of your bedroom, have a sexually perverse lifestyle, it has a way of showing up in what you do on your job, oddly enough. We've allowed people to misuse scripture like, hey, don't cast the first stone and love your neighbor as yourself, to mean let mentally insane people teach your kids. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible was talking about, oddly enough. In all of this to hopefully help us see, we've been conditioned by people like Fry and Acevedo too much. We've allowed them to cry their way into our schools and into our theology even, even into some of our churches. Obviously, yes, more progressive churches that really aren't churches at the end of the day. But nonetheless, more and more we're seeing the kind of blackmail and emotional extortion that these people use be more effective to the point where now, Even if your church isn't a gay affirming church, we're still far too quiet about these issues because we don't want to be perceived as being judgmental. And the outcome of that kind of thinking is working as far as Acevedo and Fry are concerned because now we think we have an obligation to make sure men like Acevedo and Fry feel welcome in our institutions. They shouldn't be. They must feel the full weight of being socially and morally ostracized in a society where your kids and my kids depend upon the moral courage necessary to make sure that they are protected. Here's what I'm not saying that all gay men or trans people are groomers. I know that's not true. But what I am saying is this, all gay men and trans people are living sexually immoral lifestyles. Either the Bible is wrong or it's right. If the Bible and science and nature does not declare sex to be binary in between man and a woman, then by all means, go at it. Be rabbits. Well, of course, not really rabbits because you're not going to reproduce the human species. But, you know, do whatever makes you feel good. On the other hand, if the Bible, science, and nature cry out in unison for an objective reality, then we have to admit... The people who refuse to listen to that call are a version of modern man that probably shouldn't be trusted with very much. And their judgment deserves our judgment and intolerance because we realize more and more that their words and their complaining is nothing less than an attempt to get away with doing something very wrong, which is why I think we need to get a little bit more honest about what the Bible actually says and where truth actually comes from, if we're going to think about it rationally as as a people. And that's why I want to bring you to a very short clip from Matt Walsh, who was speaking at the University of Kentucky just recently. And there, a young student kind of gives a convoluted question, but at the root of what he's asking is a very good question. I've talked about it before on the show, because uh, there are times where guys like Matt Walsh and other very prominent conservative thinkers seemingly distance themselves from, from Christian conversation on issues that demand a religious response. And very often you'll hear something like, uh, well, we don't wanna argue religion here, we'll just argue from a scientific standpoint or from this standpoint. And I, I, to, a, to a degree, we meet people where they're at, but we do not stop there because we wanna take them to where they should be going. And ultimately, I think if we're going to have conversations of a moral nature, it's gonna force us to speak about religious ideas. And quite frankly, the vast majority of conversations that are worth having are moral conversations at the end of the day, moral dilemmas, uh, questions about good and evil and all of that. And it does demand that we take seriously religious arguments when we start doing that. But here's Matt Walsh being asked about if you're going to talk about truth, Matt, where does that truth derive from? So check it out.
1: Uh, Salutations, uh, Mr. Walsh. Um, Thank you for coming to UK, truly. I have a bit of a different question to ask, and it really pertains more to um, the whole conservative movement in general, not biological, because I agree with most of the fundamental things that you say, but I was really involved in the conservative movement um, about three, four years ago, and something that I've really been wanting to ask is, where are you getting this truth from? And the immediate answer should be, oh, you, you're a Christian, right? But the conservative movement in general, is it a Christian movement, or is it just a counter-movement? Is it something that takes an actual, like it takes a problem, but only reacts to it, instead of actually fundamentally grounding itself in the truth, who is Christ? So, what do you have to say?
0: Uh, I, I basically agree with you. I agree with your point. Now, I do think that, um, the conservative movement, broadly speaking, is an ideological and political movement. Um, and so I, I, because I don't want to diminish Christianity, I wouldn't want to make the two absolutely synonymous, because Christianity is not merely an ideological and political movement, though it does have political Agreed. components. Right. Um, however, I agree with you. I, I, I think I agree with your fundamental point, which seems to be that there's something lacking sort of at the foundation of the conservative movement right now, which is like, what exactly, what are we really standing for? We know what we stand against, but what are we standing for, right? What, are, go ahead.
1: May I ask, this might be a little bit of a, so I'm a student at the Patterson School. I, this, none, nothing I say here is associated with them, but because I'm in this field of study of geopolitics, I am concerned about the Israeli Hamas situation, right? There's atrocities that are being waged across the world, but the conservative movement has a past of, um, you could say very American ideologies are um, to support Israel, but how do you support a nation state that is also committing atrocities while also saying that you claim to have the truth at the same
0: time? All right, so like I mentioned, the question kind of got convoluted there when this young man brought up Israel, but here's his question in a nutshell. Matt Walsh, throughout his talk, and I've seen him do this like a number of different times when he's doing his What is a Woman talks, is he will ultimately come to the conclusion that the reason it matters what we call a man and a woman, because the left will often say, why does it matter to you? That's their big argument, right? Which is not a real argument. It's just a a surrender and a retreat and a tactic to try to push people from the, the actual subject that they're talking about, Um, uh, he will give a list of reasons why he actually cares. He cares about kids. He cares about, and and of course, gender clinics and what they're doing to children. He cares about women's sports, Um, but honestly, not too much because who really does care about women's sports at the end of the day? But but he will always end that kind of tripartite thing with a third thing. And he will say, Um, I will say, he'll say, I care about truth and I care about a society that's steeped in truth for the sake of my kids and future generations. I want a society built on truth. So he cares about truth. But Matt has never gone to the trouble of actually defining what he means by truth. And that's essentially what this student is after. He's saying, Hey, when you say the word truth, now, aren't you making a moral claim of sorts that demands a source? That demands a foundation from which we can actually discern what truth really is. Of course, the postmodern left wants to um, wants to emphasize this point, and this is why we need to answer it because they are moral relativists and they don't believe that there is such a thing as truth. This is why they say my truth and your truth. And it's important for Christians to give a defense for why truth actually exists and why we believe the Scripture is a source of truth where truth can be found. This is actually a winning talking point for Christians because if you get into a conversation with a secular humanist or a scientific naturalist, and I would encourage you to do that, you will hear them tell you over and over and over again a proposition. They'll tell you that truth is merely a scientific fact, that it's something that you can derive from naturalism. But that's that's simply ridiculous. The idea that all you need is science to be able to tell you the truth of reality is ridiculous. Scientific naturalism can reveal some scientific truths like the laws of gravity, the laws of motion, but it cannot prove the most important truths on the planet, namely moral truths. See, naturalism can't tell you anything about that. It can tell you what happens when you murder like from a biochemical standpoint, from a biological standpoint, but it can not tell you why murder is good or bad. It is the naturalist like Dawkins who has to be honest enough to admit what he said in his book, The God Delusion. He said this, the universe that we observe has precisely the properties that we should expect if there is at bottom, no design, no purpose, no good, no evil, nothing but pitiless indifference. So this is what I'm talking about. Richard Dawkins was honest enough as a naturalist to realize that if there is no God, then he really can't define where good and evil comes from. So the kind of truth Matt is talking about when he says, I care about truth, is a proposition not of science, but it is more properly of religion. This is why when Matt argues, as he does often on the show, that we don't need to make religious arguments for whatever the thing he's talking about, um, I object and I say, yeah, you do. It, it doesn't come from conservatism, the, the ideas of, of truth and where truth actually can be understood. It's it's not properly within the realm of conservatism purely because conservatism is really just trying to conserve past ideas. So conservatism in a nutshell should be met with the question, conserve what? Well, conserve the truth. Like what truth? Okay, now here we have the issue is that conservatism alone doesn't provide for us a basis of truth. Ideas in the past that deserve being conserved does. But what ideas are those? See, this isn't a battle between left and right. It's not us and them. See, what we need to do is reaffirm the idea that truth comes from a higher transcendent source. It comes from God. And then that locks us in a battle, not between right and left, but God and man. And by the way, if you would even argue that that true moral values have to be transcendent, Uh, Let me just go ahead and give you that as quickly as I possibly can. If moral values are not transcendent, then they do not go outside of you and they cannot be objective. In other words, there is no such thing as true morality if there isn't a transcendent God. The reason I can argue that is simply you are left with an arbitrary understanding of what is good and bad, and then you might be able to get away with all sorts of atrocities like we saw in World War II, where you can make the argument, hey, we're trying to create a superior race here, and that benefits mankind. This utilitarian principle of the ends justify the means is is totally fine because it's going to benefit mankind. Think of all the good it will do to get rid of people who have handicaps and the mentally retarded or somebody who has a genetic anomaly or somebody that might even be intersex. We kill all those people, we purify the the gene pool, and then we're creating a super race that will benefit mankind for generations, for millennia to come. See, that's the kind of arbitrary morality that can come from the moral values of a system that is not rooted in a transcendent value system that is above our own personal understanding of the world. See, transcendent moral values are necessary to look down upon us and tell us when we've got it all wrong. Otherwise, we'll be constantly trying to change the world according to our moral value system, and we could be doing some horrible things in the process. But don't take my word for it. Open the Bible yourself, and you'll see the word of truth awaits you, and you can make a world of difference for your soul, for your heart, and your mind when you do that. And we'll try to do that in our final segment, Bible Study, with Democrats. Oh God of Pronouns. The Dove Awards is a show dedicated to celebrating gospel music and real talent in the Christian music industry, which makes it odd that Derek Webb was in attendance last week. And if you're wondering who is Derek Webb, you're not alone. Derek Webb is formerly a singer from the band Cademan's Call, who you may remember from the early 2000s or probably not because, I mean, honestly. Uh, Who really knows who they were? After his affair and divorce, Webb stepped out of the spotlight temporarily and then recently came back into the spotlight. And I bet you'll never guess how. In lieu of actually producing gospel music, Webb now mostly produces progressive Christian music. It just sounds awful coming out of my mouth. But anyway, that's what he's doing. Uh, And he just recently produced things like The Jesus Hypothesis, which should give you more than a clear picture of what kind of music you can expect from Derek Webb. But he has also taken to performing in drag alongside a man that goes by the name of Flamey Grant. I know, derivative and dumb. Uh, But nonetheless, and he produces songs, uh, Flamey Grant does, like Boys Will Be Girls. Uh, Webb, accompanied by his friend, attended the Dove Awards just last week in drag. Now, quick little fact here. He has won other awards in the past. How, I don't know. But he did, but he never attended the event in person until just last week. For some odd reason, he decided to come this year, even though he didn't win anything. And he did so in drag, as I suggested, with his friend. And he addressed this controversy online as though it might have been pre-planned to try to create some controversy or attention to himself. And he created a post, and in it, it's captioned, Why I wore a dress to the Dove Awards. He answers the question for us. I can answer it for you right now, but I'll wait to do that until we get his answer, so Here's that. Why did I wear a dress to the devil wards?
1: As a cis straight white man, I walk into a room like that and any room with an incredible amount of advantage and privilege. If I'm attending as an ally of friends and colleagues, I should do everything possible to surrender that privilege at the door. If the way you look at my loved ones isn't the way you look at me, I'm not truly standing with them. It's like Stan Mitchell says, if you claim to be someone's ally but aren't getting hit by the stones thrown at them, you aren't standing close enough. Plus I have amazing legs.
0: So Matt Walsh made this joke on his show and it's just too good to pass up but I also have to give him credit for it now. It's hard to take Webb seriously when he starts his post with such fake news by calling himself a straight man. But the lies and the obfuscation don't stop there. So let's work our way from the very end and then we'll go back. So he tells us he has great legs, something no straight man has ever said, by the way, because no man really does have great legs. I mean, men's legs are kind of ugly, let's be real. And certainly not that scrawny dude, he doesn't have nice legs. If he got a gym membership or something like that, uh, maybe, but otherwise he's just deluding himself. However, he does have one point in his rant that is right. He does have a point when he says that the people who love him should also love his loved ones. You're just totally wrong about who your loved ones are because they're not the cross-dressing dudes in your Instagram photos. Those aren't your loved ones. Your family is your loved ones. You know, the woman who you divorced because you couldn't remain faithful. She's your loved one, but the person who's doing her dirty and not loving her the way that they should actually was you, Derek. I find it odd that you conveniently left that out and just, I just wanted to remind you. But most importantly, finally, let me give you my answer to the question, why did Derek wear a dress to the Dove Awards? It's because, Derek, you have no self-respect or respect for other people. When someone invites you into their home, you don't poop in their living room, smile in their face, and expect them to seat you at their dinner table. But that's exactly what you did at the Dove Awards, and you know it. Even in your video, you want to claim that the people who welcomed you there were nice enough not to tell you how ridiculous you and your friend looked, and you proceed to call these people Pharisees. Your quote about standing close enough to your allies to get hit with stones is clearly aimed at the Christians that were nice enough to welcome you into that room. And then you also double down on that boyish behavior by judging everyone in the room as a person of power and privilege, like you know them or know where they come from but not you, of course. You're not a person of power and privilege. You're better than them because you're an ally. That's all very kind and charitable and non-judgmental of you. You walked into the Dove Awards because you, like all your supposed loved ones, are obsessed with the spotlight. That's why you did it. It never even once occurred to you that the award show may not be the right setting for your little statement or that even, I know this is crazy, that the show really isn't about you. It's possible that all the people who worked hard to make that night a success didn't, Pour their blood, sweat, and tears into a show to create a platform for your narcissism. So why did you wear a dress at the Dove Awards? We know why. You, like many in the LGBTQ religion, are obsessed with yourself and your attention-grabbing stunt worked because you got the headlines you wanted, you got the social post, and all your friends can now sink their teeth in it and like it and diabolically laugh at the discomfort of other Christians. And I guess it worked because now I'm talking about it on my show. But it also backfired on you, Derek. Maybe you didn't realize this, or maybe you still don't know it now because it was revealed only too late to you, but all the people that you were trying to mock at the Dove Awards by doing what you did might wake up to the realization of what you're really after. Your little stunt reveals to us that the truly judgmental, intolerant people who call names and arm twist and make judgments about other people the moment you step into a room is not those other Christians, but really you. What we learn from Derek and his friends all the time because they can only lie so much is that they really aren't interested in loving marginalized people. They're not interested in showing how much Christ truly cares about hurting people. They are interested in mocking Christians and Christianity. The people at the Dove Awards should have turned you away at the door and would have been well within their Christian right to do so. In fact, turning you away at the door would have been more Christian than allowing you to come in There's not a single actor that would be allowed through the door at the Academy Awards in a tank top and shorts. They have standards. Are Christians not allowed to have standards as well at their own award show? You are more than happy to take advantage of that kindness offered to you and then return it with a snide, self-important social media post that calls people names that have just been nothing but kind to you. And then you top it all off with moral justification. You punch people in the face and then you call it plastic surgery when you pontificate that your high school attempt to troll Christians had some kind of moral justification rather than just pure bigotry against Christians and pure self-idolatry. It makes you just as delusional as a man who would wear a dress. All of it should be a reminder to Christians that the claims of past hurt and the way the church has injured people are mostly lies. So don't fall for it. It's a gimmick used by weak people like Webb. The church has been overly kind and welcoming to the people who want to burn the whole place down. And we, we might want to think about this a little differently, maybe come up with a different strategy because we've listened to the blackmail of those people who say they were hurt in church for far too long. If you truly were hurt in church, I just want to say, I hate that for you, but that might have something to do with the church and not necessarily about Christianity as a whole or about Jesus in particular. But there's also maybe one more important reminder here. By and large, the kind of lies that Derek Webb peddles is a stand-in for all the lies that many Christians have believed from LGBTQ people, progressive Christians, and other heretics. The tactic they used is to twist your desire to be liked against you. Now, this is important because there's a bit of narcissism on our side. They know the vast majority of Christians want to be liked and cannot stand to be called intolerant and judgmental. People with bad motives use this against people of faith because they are mostly kind and caring. These people call you all manner of names without once fearing being called intolerant, all while painting all Christians with a broad brush and being judgmental themselves in the hope that they can trick you into agreeing with the narrative that they're spinning. Of course, the narrative is as follows, Christians are judgmental and intolerant and only the ones we put our stamp of approval on will be called worthy. This may seem weird coming from a bald dude in a dress like Derek Webb. Why do we care what he says? Obviously, many do. In our social media-obsessed world, Christians still think we're having a popularity contest. They care sometimes infinitely more about what a cross-dressing apostate says more than what Scripture says. They fall for the social currency they can win by affirming a gay person or even accepting the narrative that they spend for us without us even thinking for ourselves. They come in with stories of church hurt and how they've been victimized, but few Christians actually say, well, how have you been victimized? Try it sometime. Because when you dig into their stories enough to hear what's really going on, they're all the same. Somewhere along the way, a Christian told them not to wear a dress and not to act like a girl if you're a boy, and told them that this is what the Bible says, and now we're supposed to believe that that truth left them so emotionally scarred that they will never heal from it. In two words, it's all horse poop, and we fall for it because we are obsessed with being liked. People like Webb know it, and they use it against us. The best thing to do with people like Eric Webb is to unapologetically tell them the truth without regard to hurting their feelings. If I can help my listeners today with anything, if I can help you today, it will be to deliver you from people-pleasing, to help you get to the place not where you don't care about people, not where you say, I have no filter. That's just being rude and having a cover for it. But more importantly, having the ability to tell the truth without self-censoring that is an infinitely more important and and better quality than constantly being afraid of being called judgmental and intolerant there's a rule of thumb that i've begun to adopt and it's this if i say something that is not true that's a me problem if i say something that is true and you don't like it that's a you problem as long as you said it charitably and as honestly as possible let the chips fall where they may People like Derek Webb exploit the basic instinct of Christians who want to be liked. For that reason, we should actually thank Derek. It's a clear reminder to all of us that it is not our job to be liked. It is not the concern of Christians to make the message more palatable for the itching ears of every new generation or a man that wants to wear a dress. And it's for this reason that I guess I should really thank Derek, because he did us a great favor. He reminds us who the intolerant and judgmental people really are. And he reminds us that, hey, if he's going to be bold enough to share his opinion with the world as though it really needs to be shared, maybe we should share God's word as boldly with others and unapologetically. Beyond that, I should thank you because you remind us that whenever anybody comes around with leftist word salad and says people of privilege, allyship, and all that stuff, that it is a clear sign that whatever comes next out of your mouth should not be taken seriously. And I guess it's also for that reason, you need Jesus. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God.